Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to follow us on all our socials at Around the 412, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, and go subscribe to us on uh, YouTube as well. Also, the Rocket Around the 412 is done, but we're still going to promote the uh, Isla Keen Future Fund, um, who Dalton Keen tragically passed away back in October, as all of you know by now, but um, there's, there's still that fun that we're going to keep pushing for his two-year-old daughter that was left behind to, uh, help out that financial burden for them. Um, so that will be linked in the description of the show on all platforms and yeah. Yeah. I, uh, also want to give, um, a couple shout outs here. Um, we're still going to put the link in the description as well for the chasing M's foundation and what they have going on. Yeah. Um, because I believe that's going to stay open. I have no idea what they're going to do with all that money, but it's going to be awesome to see because they can build like buildings for those types of things if they want to, you know, right. so it'd be great to see what they do. Um, we're also going to put uh, the Pittsburgh clothing company shirt that they put out. They actually have a couple different designs. So when we talked last week, they only had the one where it's like an outline of Damar in the bills uniform, but they have since come out with another one um, specifically, like it's outlined in a pit uniform now too. So they have a couple different designs uh, and all those proceeds will go to the chasing M's as well. I also want to apologize because listening back to last week's episode, I think the first time I referenced it, I said making instead of chasing M's foundation. Mm. So it's chasing M's um, is the Mar Hamlin's whole thing. I don't want to misspeak. Um, so I wanted to correct that. Um, also, you mentioned the Isla Keen thing. I want to give a shout out to my uncle Bill's fire department. Um, well, both of them. He's the fire chief for center township and Aliquippa and Isla, although like we couldn't give her a physical or we could have, but you know, her mom declined. She didn't want a physical gift or anything like that for Christmas. And we obviously passed that forward. We told the great story about how we were able to adopt kids from the Salvation Army. She's like obsessed with fire trucks right now, I guess. Like her everybody in the family had to get her some type of fire truck when Santa came through and on a fire truck, like she was just obsessed with it. So Center Township and Aliquippa, where my uncle was the fire chief, is going to bring all the fire trucks to one place and I was gonna get to see all of them. So shout oh, out to cool. the fire departments uh and the firefighters for making that happen as yeah, well. Cool. Um so yeah, me, Kaylee, and Isla will be going to see those at some point in the near future. Um, but again, just shout out to my uncle bill i don't know if he's gonna watch or listen to this specific episode but i guess i'll have to make sure he does now to hear his name um but other than that we can talk about sports now it's kind of i feel like it just happened so quick i think that we kind of in the at least in the back of my mind thought the steelers were going to get everything that they needed uh to happen to be in the playoffs yeah i didn't think that we would be talking about their last game but here we are yeah i was so coincidentally enough i don't know why nfl sunday took it ticket wouldn't let me cast to the tv that was i was in the room with and so i was watching mm. the steely game on my phone and i had the jets dolphins game because that was the nationally broadcast game on uh what was it fox i think um i had yeah. that that game up and i i was just like occasionally looking up from my phone to like see what's going on in the jets dolphins game that game i mean I'm, I'm sure if you were an actual like fan of the either of those teams watching that game you're bored out of your mind but mm-hmm. it was just so disappointing because it seemed like nobody wanted to win that game. And it was frustrating as a Steeler fan knowing we needed the Dolphins to lose. That it's like our our last hope relies on Joe Flacco. Uh, ironically enough. Yeah. Um it didn't get done. But yeah, it, it was it just seemed like after the previous week, it seemed like everything was just going to fall into place. And I mean, the, the bills were struggling with the Patriots at least a little bit, at least in the first half. You they knew they were that, that game though. Yeah, yeah. There was no way they were going to lose. I mean, they returned the opening kickoff, which was awesome. Um, 
Josh Allen was very emotional after that game talking about that, uh, which they hadn't returned to kickoff in three years and three months. Which, mm-hmm. There was a lot of threes enough, involved. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it sucks as a Steeler fan to know that we didn't get it done, but at least we know that it wasn't because of the Steelers. The Steelers, at, le- at least in that last week, because the Steelers yeah. could have won games in the previous season, so it is because of the Steelers. But at the same hand, going into that last week, the Steelers did their job and did their part in their effort to get into the playoffs. It didn't work out, but at least we're ending the season on a high note. And I I feel, even though we didn't make playoffs, I feel a lot better about this team now than I did, uh, I mean, even just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, definitely. But going into the offseason, the way they finished out makes me have a lot of hope for what the team can be in the next like seasons and seasons to come. Yeah. It's funny because being at the stadium, you know, it's 28, 14 in the last few minutes, everybody was on their phone. You know, you're just like paying attention to the jets dolphins game, as opposed to the Steelers game yeah. that you're there to watch um, because you knew we were to take care of our business. How's this jets dolphins game going to play out. And like you said, it, it looked like neither team, neither team was moving the ball. And it even seemed like the Jets were going to get, you know, one more chance. And then Quinn and Williams takes a horse collar penalty that moves the ball to midfield at that point. And I was like, that that might be it. That might be it. Yeah. And it was. I mean, that was the pretty much the deciding factor. The Jets are, yeah, the Dolphins at that point maybe get like to 12 more yards and they kick a 50-yard field goal to win it. And the Jets missed the field goal earlier in the game too, which, yep. you know, things play out differently. So I don't like just adding points at the end of the game saying, oh, then, you know, the Jets would have won if you just give them that three points because maybe the game plays out differently. But still, it's like in a 9-6 game, you know, they missed a field goal earlier. You just wonder how differently things could have been. But, yeah, so the Steelers don't get what they need. Um, they finish the season 9-8. and eight. But to your point – Seven and two in the last nine, and that's kind of what we talked about last week. Like, how would you feel if they do take care of their own business but still don't get in? And there were even people that were that was like their ideal scenario. This wasn't mine, I've just presented this on here. That were saying, like, you want them to take care of their own business but not make the playoffs because they can go out like into the offseason on a high on note. a better note instead of getting killed by the bills or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, but that's I don't think that that would have affected them mentally going into the offseason. I still would have yeah. loved to have seen them make the playoffs, but. Um, you know, let's just start with this because uh, before we take a backtrack and talk about this game specifically, you kind of already were starting to segue this going into the offseason. I mean, what is, you know, the one thing that you're looking forward to the most probably as we go through the offseason? Because with as accessible as these players are on social media, seemingly every single one of them, we can watch their entire offseason workouts, really. So, like, what is one thing that you are really looking forward to this offseason? Um, well, one, I want to see how the health of Calvin Austin. Um, okay. We didn't get to see him at all this 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 season. The fourth round pick from from last year's draft, and he's a guy that we're hoping. And I'm not even. I, I don't want to entertain all the Deontay drama too much amongst Steelers fans. Like, yep. I'll, I'll just touch on that real quick. It's a yeah, it's a well. it's a it's a cryptic tweet that anybody you can interpret it any way you want. That doesn't mean you're right. It doesn't mean it was about the Steelers. And going into his following on Instagram, like people just are looking for excuses, to, in my opinion, to make drama because they need something to talk about now that we're in the offseason. Whether Deontay Johnson is a Steeler next year or not, I don't think has anything to do with that tweet. It, it, it Literally zero. It, it, yeah. I, like he could be gone either way. 
I don't think that tweet has anything to do without it. I just think that some Steeler fans are trying to make drama where, where drama doesn't happen because to be honest, outside of the whole like Mitch getting in a uh, scuffle in the locker room sort of thing, there wasn't a lot of drama to the Steelers this year. Um, so, so well, yeah, yeah, I, I think Steeler fans, they, they kind of miss it. I mean, when we had Le'Veon and AB, <laughs> it was like every week. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's just like water under the bridge. There's nothing, there's no smoke there. It is what it is. Um, they, they and I saw people even talking about, and, and I was actually talking about this with, with my friend Quentin last night. Um, like the whole, like, would you trade Deontay for a second round pick <laughs> thing? And I'm, I'm just like, I, I, I don't know where any of this is coming from. And I mean, my answer, my answer to, to that would have been like, it, it, that really depends on what their draft would look like and where, what kind of second round pick that would be. But e- even then, I don't think that's happening. I don't think the Steelers are planning on getting rid of Deontay because what you're left with George Pickens and a bunch of fans at that point. Um, it, it's just a bunch of stupid stuff. But anyway, this off season, I'm looking forward to Calvin Austin progressing, and I'm also looking for uh, – improvement and not necessarily guys that are individually on the team, but just looking for the Steelers to upgrade that offensive line even more. They started to last year. And I I think that that could be taken care of in the draft, depending on how the draft board falls. But I I think they need to look at the tackle positions Um, like Chooks is, is what he is, but I think you could get a guy with a higher ceiling there. And then Dan Moore jr. I, I, I think there is, some upside to him, but I just think there's a lot of inconsistency. I think he did get better as the season went on, but I think I would, I, I would like a guy, like if you could get a guy in the first round, like a Saronsky or something or Skronsky or something like that, I, I don't think that the Steelers are going to get them yeah. because they're too hot. They're going to be drafted too high, but I, I think the improvement along the offensive line is where I'd look. Um, and I, 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 as far as guys that are on the team go, yeah. I mean, Calvin Austin, I want to see what he has. And I just want to see more videos of like Kenny Pickett just working with people. That that's what I really yeah. want to see. Well, you mentioned Deontay Johnson. I mean, to me, that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Is like I hope that him and Kenny find the time in the off season to get together and and develop a relationship on and off the field. Um, because clearly there seemed to be more of a repertoire between Kenny and George, and maybe that is his guy. Maybe Pickens is the number one. But either way, I think they're going to need Deontay Johnson next season. Um, people can take my word for it or not. I really don't care. It is what it is. Who am I? I'm just some guy on a podcast. That tweet is not about the Steelers. I will 100% say that with conviction. And uh, as far as the following thing goes, that he wasn't following them last year and he got a new contract. He now is following them on both Instagram and Twitter because I think that people like bullied him to that point online and he was like okay well if people are going to think it's like something with the organization then i will follow them just to kind of put that to rest so i'm glad that he did if you're trading deontay johnson i don't think it would have been because he was disgruntled or something you're not trading him because of the production we saw what he could do in 2021 i understand that visibly uh and to everybody's knowledge i don't think i'm breaking any news here he took a step back in 2022 um and it's very unfortunate, especially when you have a young quarterback here, you would have liked to have been able to lean on a guy like that more who is supposed to be, you know, the the leader of the wide receivers room. And I think that he is from, you know, that perspective, but on field, the production, would you would like that to match as well. I'm not going to, you know, continue to throw out that, you know, the zero touchdowns thing. Everybody knows that they can look at the stats and see it. 
Um, but I think that he will get back closer to the 2021 version next season. I think it's going to be a lot about him and Kenny working together in the offseason. So that's definitely something for me. Obviously, like year two leap for George Pickens, that's an obvious thing. Um, you know, Najee Harris looked like a much healthier player in the second half of this season. What is he going to be able to do? Is he going to be that back to start next year and be able to do it for a whole season? Um, the Marvin Leal, where because he's kind of a tweener. Like, is he going to put on weight and be like a a cam hayward in loot like in waiting or is he going to be like a strictly edge rusher like they used him this year um there's a lot of things but to me the number one thing and this isn't something i've necessarily seen a ton of people talking about everybody besides mark robinson and that inside linebackers room could be gone they're going to be like completely rebuilding that and i'm curious as to how they're going to do that i don't think enough people are talking about an inside linebacker potentially being a pretty high draft pick for this team i oh, mean i've i say, i, I so I, not to interrupt, I'm just I just want to throw out. I've already said I want that 33rd pick to be Noah Sewell from Oregon. That that's who I would take. Yeah, you if know he, what? He's kind of he's kind of I feel like dropped a little bit in stock. I think that there was talk like top 15, 20 at one point. Now he's kind of yeah back end one early two. Anything could happen on draft day. But like him or Simpson at Clemson, like I think they yeah. both both make a ton of sense. Uh, I can't even, uh, you know, if I'm going to talk about him, I should look up his name, so I'm not going to yet, but uh, there's an inside linebacker at Alabama. Do you have any idea? It's like Henry. Is that how it's pronounced? I don't think it's Tutu. I think it's Teotio. I want it on record. I'm not the one trying to pronounce his name right now. I No, I am I am 100% trying to pronounce his name, but I don't think it's as simple as Tutu. Okay. Yeah, I know, but you know who I'm talking about. So, like, I just think I look – Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. Their their inside linebackers room could be completely different next season. Um, Miles Jack, I don't think will be back at what his cap hit would be for next season. What, wouldn't it be like on. 12 something million? 11 and a half, I believe. 11 and um, a half. Yeah, 11 and a half or 12. So I, I just don't see that being the case. Um, Devin Bush is a free agent. Roberts Belaine's a free agent. So I, who yeah, knows? I, don't, but, I, I mean, maybe they bring back Roberts Belaine just because it seems like that's that's just kind of like thing, a security so, blanket. But I just yeah. think there's no chance that Devin Bush is back. No, absolutely not. And I don't have an issue with Spillane coming back, but my problem would be it's almost like how Penguins fans would you know complain about Dom Simone because like he's good in his role. I'm fine with Spillane being on the team, but somehow, some way, by the end of the season, he's going to play 100% of the snaps. So like as long as he comes back and is in his role, it doesn't somehow like unseat the guys in front of him, which I mean, I guess, you know, he deserves some credit for doing so too. another you know straight season. But I think it's more an acknowledgement and indictment of the players ahead of him as it is opposed to him. Um, he did. He did play some pretty decent football down the stretch. I thought he was really good uh, against the Ravens in week 17. But again, I think that he's a very limited player physically in what he can do on a football field i think there's a role for him it's not the role that he's been playing down the stretch here for the steelers so i'm very curious just to see how the inside linebacker room um is filled out by this team outside of mark robinson so uh i want to talk about i I was just gonna say i i think that linebacker one of your first three picks in my opinion would have to be a linebacker i mean i don't think it's going to be that first one at, yeah. at 17. Well, let me say something though, too, because what if that is what they decide to because they're gonna have some money to spend in free agency too? What if that's, that's where that's they true. invest it? I mean, people are talking about another Edmonds brother coming in who's a free agent in Buffalo, Tremaine. I mean, would that change your opinion then of, of how they because I, I think if you look at him, 
Robinson, Spillane, you're going to need to bring in another body. Obviously, they're going to have to bring in guys that are like what? Well, yeah. Players. And I, I also look at it though as you want to. You, you could use the draft, like drafting somebody as investing in the future as well, outside mm-hmm. of a free agent too. So you, yeah. you're not just looking at the 2023 season. You're looking beyond that. So if you want to make an investment into a guy with that 33rd pick or that 40 some odd pick, whatever it is, um, you, you can do that in the draft and try to get a guy like they tried to with Devin Bush, but maybe this one will actually pan out. Yeah, I I think Edmonds, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Obviously, well, you know, are we even going to see Terrell back? I hope so. I think that him and Cam Sutton need to really be two of their big priorities um, to keep in house. But I, I think that Edmonds checked a lot of boxes for them in free agency, Tremaine, that is, being that he has so much experience, but he's still not even 25 yet. I mean, he is a young veteran player, and that is typically what the Steelers covet if they're going to be spenders in free agency. I mean, it's kind of like the the defensive side, if you will, for me, for James Daniels. I mean, he checked all the boxes for them, a veteran that has played a long, four seasons already, but was still only 24 years old when they brought him in. So yeah. I, I think that you know, sideline to sideline guy, great at he's a six foot five inside linebacker. I mean, he to me, I think that it would be a home run pick. Now, obviously, years salary, these things are going to come into play. Right. But we honor the salary caps a myth as long as you're willing to spend the money up front. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a shame. I'm looking at the defensive snaps for Devin Bush. So yeah. throughout the season for the first like 13-ish games, he was averaging, it looks like around like the 50 snaps mark on defense mm-hmm. but it, it, and then it went to 25 21 5 5 over the last four games and five, 10 snaps over the last two weeks that's that's just showing like and in, in that last game against cleveland he didn't even record a stat he was yep. just on the field five times so it's a shame that that trade turned out trade up for Dev, devin bush turned out to be really bad for the steelers in the end but it sucks you get, move on he, you look at what they gave up for him, and I know that we were all like excited at the time because it just seemed like what they needed. But the chances of an off-ball linebacker living up to what they gave up to get him were so slim to begin with. Like he would have needed to be, you know, a borderline like a Pro Bowl caliber every single year, uh, borderline Hall of Fame player in order to live up to what they gave up for him. Yeah, uh, being the position that he plays, it's just so devalued in today's NFL. But. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I think you have to live with it. And I think it. we should mention, by the way, that, you know, pre-injury, he was a pretty decent player. Who knows how things play out if he doesn't go through that injury? He did. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's unfortunate that he couldn't get back to eat like that level. Um, but and I'm not saying he was on the trajectory to live up to that, to what they gave up for him either. Just saying that it wasn't all in his control. Yeah. Yeah, and also while you were talking about what you were looking for in the offseason, I did, yeah. just out of curiosity, look up the snap numbers of Deont- – or not snap, target numbers of Deontay Johnson and George Pickens from whenever Kenny made his first start in Buffalo through the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And based off targets, Deontay is still the number one receiver. Yeah, um, And mm-hmm. maybe I don't know, like, do you put the blame on, on the routes that George was running for why Kenny wasn't throwing him the ball enough or Kenny himself, like – uh, there's probably multiple reasons that George wasn't getting the ball or, or getting the looks that Deontay was, but at the same time, Deontay over the last 13 games of the season um, had 110 snap or, or snaps, 110 targets, and it's an average of eight and a half targets per game. And then George Pickens was 64 targets on that's an average of 4.9 per game. I yeah. do think that eventually. 
just based off of glimpses we've seen throughout this 2022 season that even though it, it may not be uh, next season right away, but I think George Pickens will eventually surpass Deontay as Kenny's favorite target. But the, I, I think as of right now, Deontay Johnson is still the number one receiver in terms of getting getting the ball to him. He, he's still getting thrown to the most. So yeah. I, I would still call him the number one as of right now. In my opinion, I think that changes over the next year or two. But as of right now and as of, as the season went, it was Deontay Johnson. I think if we're just talking about targets, I don't know that it changes. And it's just because, well, I, we need to see who the next offensive coordinator, if we're going to have one, that's actually something I want to bring up too, um, is because right now with the way the offense is, like Deontay Johnson is kind of designed, and it's his play style too, to be like the target vacuum if you will yeah. like he's just always open of course he's going to get the ball it's on you know much shorter high percentage routes get the ball out of kenny's hands george is obviously the guy that's kind of taking the top off the bigger play guy he's going to have more splash plays down the field but i think that those are kind of their two defined roles so if we're just looking at targets themselves i think deontay will still be the guy leading the team in targets but i think we could see george be the guy that is has much more production overall yeah yeah, and <laughs> whenever Deontay got tackled on the two yard line, I know on that one, yeah. I was I was like, that's a that's such a shame. And then they it's... don't even score touchdowns. So let's yeah. let's just start talking about this game specifically, which we're working in a very odd order here, folks. Uh, this is kind of we do have notes that we go based off of, but once we start talking, it just kind of like, oh, this is a good transition to this point, and we don't end up going in the order that I have them set up in anyway. So let's talk about this Browns game. Opening drive looks great for the Steelers. They let Cleveland start with the ball, stop them, get the ball, go right down with ease, as we've talked about. But again, they just are finding ways to not score. In this scenario, Deontay Johnson gets tackled at the two-yard line. Najee Harris scores a touchdown, but doesn't get rolled a touchdown. The Steelers do not challenge it. Pickett fails on a um, QB sneak, which is based off how the season has looked very odd to see it was a one-off and then Najee tries to jump over the pile and fumbles the ball it obviously should not have gotten to that point but the Steelers didn't challenge two plays earlier and again it's just this is a new way this is a new way of them finding ways to not score points when they're in the red zone it was the, Mike Tomlin it was the Jerome Bettis way yeah I, I, against the Colts <laughs> there it is yeah it is an ode to Jerome Bettis there um but at that point, those kind of plays always seem to be like ones where I'm sitting there thinking like, and it's so early in the game at this point, even then I'm like, how many times does something like that happen to a team and that ends up being the team on the winning side of a game? That just seems like yeah. one of those things that you reflect back on like, oh, we lost and you can pinpoint it to this at the start of the game. But no, the Steelers find a way. Um, they played really well in this game on both sides of the football. I think that everybody's going to look at the defensive side and say, oh, wow, seven sacks. They must have been, and they were. They were getting pressure on Deshaun Watson, obviously. But a lot of them, to me, were ones where he was in the pocket for so long. So I think the coverage unit, the secondary, deserves a ton of credit for what they were able to accomplish in this football game, too. Uh, Watson looked awful, in my opinion. I mean, that was one of the worst quarterback performances I've seen this season, and I'm very glad that it happened uh, to him. So uh, I don't know what your immediate takeaways were from this game, but again, it's kind of like weird to talk about because they played so well. They win this game, have one of their best games of the season. They do their part, but again, it was the last football game they're going to play. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably, like everybody else, thought once Najee fumbled that ball, it's just like, oh, no, here we go. And then mm -hmm. and, and they score first, and Joku gets the opening touchdown of the game. And 
in my head, I'm like, this is just in my head. I'm like, the Jets are going to win, the Bills are going to win, and then we're going to blow it <laughs> against the Browns. It didn't actually happen. The Steelers played a really good game. Yeah, I thought Deshaun played really bad. Which, I mean, honestly, could it happen to a worse guy? I'm happy about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, but, but on he looked. And not just in this game, I think since he came back in week 11 or 12, he looks just like there was a lot of rust. And I get that just from a football perspective. He hasn't really played a game in like like a year and a half or so. So I I, I can get that from that point. But I thought the Steelers defense played really well. They had two interceptions from the from the Sean Watson. Um, Yeah, they were getting pressure all day. And like you said, a lot of those were coverage sacks. Um, I thought they the the front seven played a really good game especially like the defensive line like cam hayward might have had his, his best game of the season um in the last game of the season coincidentally enough he just it, it's so funny like this guy keeps getting better and he got better as the season went along too and he he's what 33 years old now and mm-hmm. doesn't look like he's gonna slow down so uh i i i think that he played really well and i mean overall i thought the offense did pretty good too um especially in in the second half they kind of got it rolling and were able to put get, get up by 14 and was that the Steelers first 14 point lead they had on any team i it has to be i mean the it, only other one it actually the the, the, the other one might have been cleveland in the beginning of the season and then we blew the lead mm. yeah i think we were up 14 to nothing but maybe awesome. i'm wrong maybe it was like 10 nothing i don't know it, it, but that that is probably the most like complete performance the Steelers put together, and it, it leaves a lot of optimism moving forward. That that's my biggest takeaway from the game is like it, it it just feels like even though we're not in the playoffs, the way they finished the season as opposed to the way they ended the season, and, and funny enough, it's kind of kind of similar to when you look at one of the teams we needed to lose, the Dolphins. They end up winning, but. This, the Steelers and the Dolphins were kind of like the opposite of each other in this this season because the 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 Dolphins started out six and two, the Steelers started out two and six, and then the Dolphins ended the season two and seven. Steelers ended the season seven and two. Um, it's the same that it was, it was just too little, too late. You look back on a couple games this season, like that Jets game and the Patriots game, and it's like those are very winnable. The games. Ravens won. If the first the Ravens, Ravens won. won. Yeah, there, there, there were some very winnable games where you're talking like if this team had put, been able to put it together, you're looking at a like 11, 12 win team. Um, but that wasn't the case. I still think that that, that gives a lot of optimism just watching how not only the, just the team progressed, but like the offense more specifically progressed in the second half of the season. And uh, I know a lot of Steeler fans won't want to hear it, but I will guarantee that Matt Canada is back in 2023 because of the way I will guarantee it because of the way they finished the season. Unless you have insider information that, you know, I I, I don't, I I don't know. That's, that's the weird thing is I will guarantee. And and the only reason is because they can't let him go. Like they can't just like not renew a contract. They have to fire him. Right. Yeah. No, I don't have any information, but I was just say that's the, that's the weird part about it is not that I don't have information about it because that's, you know, common more often than not. I don't know things that are going on inside the organization, but it's weird that nobody that covers the team is really like, 
you know, having feelings one way or another, like they don't know what is going to happen either. It seems like it's all speculation and it's not based off anything that the team has said or done. So I think that we'll know within the next few days because, you know, people have talked about it before, like typically within that first week, you're going to know about some staff changes. Obviously you want as much time with your new staff as possible. So I think that we will know within the next few days, whether Matt Canada is going to be the offensive coordinator for next season. Um, I, I keep going back and forth on it. Um, I don't think that he is necessarily a driving force in the reason that we did see the offense, you know, start to take strides down the stretch. I think it was more about the players within the offense, just finding ways in spite of him and with how well the defense was playing literally every single week in the second half. Um, I don't think that he was, you know, the root for the offense. Oh, I don't either. Footing. Yeah. I'm mainly, I, I, I'm mainly just looking at the the way the Steelers have historically operated when it comes to if he wasn't under contract for coaches, next year, what he's would, not what being be renewed. Your... Okay, no, yeah. I don't think he'd be renewed. But the reason that I I would I said the guarantee and why I think he's going to be back is because the the contract doesn't expire until after 2023, and then I think if the Steelers get questioned about it. They could point to well the t- the team improved as the season went on, the offense improved as the season went on. Whether that's his reasoning or not, I don't think it is. I'm just looking at how the Steelers I think are going to handle this whole situation. I just think it's going to be a, uh, it's not broke anymore, so let's not try to fix it yet. Yeah, I, I and as, along with that, being able to lean on things like when you are questioned on it, the comfort level. You know, if if Kenny is comfortable with him as the offensive coordinator, uh, that's, that's actually what I wanted to ask you: is like, how much pull do you think Kenny has in year one? Like, yeah, do they so add, not not necessarily pull like Ben Roethlisberger, who he can name who it's going to be, but like, right. how much do you think Kenny's opinion is going to sway the opinion of the upper management for the Steelers? There's been some conflicting reports on that, hasn't there? I mean, there was somebody that and I'm not going to name names because I don't know them. So I'm not just going like, to throw something out there. I, somebody, though, had said that they were going to sit down with Kenny at the end of the season and asked about where that he thought the offense was with Canada running it. Um, and then somebody else had combat, combated that and said, that's absolutely not going to be the case. Like Kenny is a guy that just finished his rookie season They're Like while his input, I think, would be like, you know, somewhat welcomed. And he can say, you know, how he feels and stuff. They're not going to take that into consideration when they're making a, you know, personnel call. So I don't know. I I really don't like. I I think that this is pure speculation at this point. What we think is going to happen. Um, I would hope that they look at it. How Tomlin said, you know, in his end of the season press conference where it's a total body of work, not just how the season wrapped up. Even though, again, even while they it was more encouraging to me. It's not enough to save the guy's job. I think you look at not just this year, you look at last year as well. Totality of his tenure here and say, this guy, we can upgrade on this. And I'm also looking, I'm looking at crutches that the Steelers organization is going to use too, when it comes to doing that, just to keep them like, Want to look at 2021? Well, we had a uh, 39-year-old retiring quarterback. You want to look at 2022? Well, we had a rookie quarterback. <laughs> it's like I, I'm just I'm I'm finding I'm thinking of excuses the Steelers are going to use as to why they did bring him back. When in reality, I think the only reason they bring him back is they don't want to fire him outright. They just it, they're, they're, the contract You're isn't two ending. Offensive coordinators, yeah. I I just don't I don't see see it happening. So. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. Um, as we go into the offseason, I already asked about what you were most excited for in the offseason. 
Um, do you foresee like any staff changes then? Like, if you think Matt Cannon is going to be back, are there, you know, spots in the offense or spots on the defense where you think there will be some turnover? Brian Flores, I think, will probably be gone and not because mm. the Steelers don't want him gone. I, I, I think okay. that I think teams are going to be interested um, in him, whether yeah. that. It's not going to be a lateral move. Yeah, I, I think that there's the I think it could be. It may. It might not be a head coach like he was in Miami, but like defensive coordinator somewhere. I think yeah. he'll get an opportunity to do that. So I think they'll be looking at not only new linebackers on the field, but a new linebackers coach as well. Um, mm-hmm. As far as anyone everywhere else goes, there's no no positions that really stand out to me. Um, yeah, but but I, I, I that's that's the main one. Just and it's not because of how he was as a coach. It's it's because I just think he's going to get elevated into a better role somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, as much as I don't want to see the offensive coordinator back, I think most of the staff, like, I, I would be okay with being retained. Like, I think Mike Sullivan can continue to be the quarterback coach and working with Kenny. I think Eddie Faulkner is a really good running back coach. I love Alfredo Roberts as the tight ends coach. Pat Meyer, to me, I mentioned him. I thought he was, you know, deserves the MVP of the Steelers for the work that he did with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Chrisman Jackson, the wide receivers coach, I could do with or without. I don't know what the call is going to be there. Again, I, I've said on here before that I've been told by somebody that I very much trust that there was a little bit of a blow up between him and a receiver on the team and the receiver on the team saying that we're pretty much learning nothing under you, not necessarily a ringing endorsement of your coach. So I don't know that he's going to be back. That would be the one on the offense that I could see changing. Um on the defensive side, though, I, I think they have a really good defensive line coach. I really like, you know, Terrell Austin's influence with the secondary as well. Um, also, he's the defensive coordinator. But, yeah, Brian Flores, to me, would be the one on the defense that I think you could see turned over, and it wouldn't be on the Steelers' accord. It would be Brian Flores having a better opportunity elsewhere. I mean, you talk about something like the Browns, where it's like on the surface, it's like, man, do you really want to go work for the Cleveland Browns when there's really no leash? Like, they're constantly turning over. But I think for him yeah. – looking at that like that could be a bigger opportunity somebody replied to me on twitter about this um we follow each other but he's a browns fan and he said if i'm flores like you got to be looking at this as a really good opportunity to become cleveland's defensive coordinator because not only are you a defensive coordinator maybe you get like that associate head coach role or something like that if something goes south with stefanski who was a little bit on the hot seat this year could he be the next head coach there and we know that he wanted watson in miami prior to that situation obviously blowing up yeah so yeah, I mean that could be the case. He's he's just the one that I think is for sure going to be gone because I mean the Steelers season had been over for it didn't even seem like twenty four hours and teams are already contacting the Steelers to request an interview with Brian Flores. So yeah, it just seems Cleveland. inevitable. At that <laughs> Cleveland point. was one of those. Well, well, yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So what is your if you could? I mean, maybe you have a couple. What are your biggest takeaways of the Steelers twenty twenty two season? Um. TJ Watt needs to be healthy for the Steelers defense to be good. Um, I, I think it's night and day. We kind of talked about that last week. It's night and day when this guy's on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the offensive line is not as bad as it, has, as it has been as of right now that it has been the previous three seasons-ish. I, I, I think in, in totality, they have – improved enough this season to where i say like i don't think they are awful anymore (laughs) before that they were awful and i think the the additions of daniels and cole really helped out the offensive line as well 
Um, like I, but like I said, there's still a couple places you could improve on. But I think from start to finish this season, you saw the line progress a, as a unit. And we kind of touched on that in the beginning of the season, though. The, it, it, these guys have like never played together. I mean, there's a lot of new faces, and it could take time for that that cohesion to get going. And I think down the stretch it did. And then we have our guy at quarterback. No matter what what you thought at the beginning of the season, how he was playing when he had the, all those eight the eight interceptions in the first what four games he played or some five games he played, the way he finished the season, I, I and especially seeing how he handled that Raiders game, the Ravens game the next week in in those two minute drills, and then seeing what he was able to do on Sunday, I think the Steelers have their guy. I'm excited to watch him progress, but I, I, I think that we do not have to worry about quarterback for a while in Pittsburgh. I like it. I mean, I'm in agreement there as well, obviously. I mean, for me, my biggest takeaway was just, obviously, Pickett is a big part of this, how much they were able to lean on, you know, guys in their first few seasons in the same, like the same young core and to still get to this point. I think it's like the silver lining of the season. I understand, you know, the, the, the expectation of the team and the standard should not be going nine and eight and, you know, relying on other teams to get into the playoffs. But with everything that was against them this year, with their backs against the wall, the way that they answered the bell with this many young players and still got to the point where you're playing for the playoffs in week 18, obviously very impressive. I thought it was one of Mike Tomlin's best head coaching jobs done this season um, to get them to this point. So, I mean, that for me on the surface, obviously also, I mean, I know there was people, it seemed like people were starting to underrate him a little bit because the turnovers weren't coming as much. Minka Fitzpatrick is, is the best safety in football. I, I don't yeah. know how we can still be questioning this. When teams want to throw his, are willing to throw his way, it's getting turned over. Uh, most of the time they try to avoid him, but the Steelers have gotten better. I think the addition of DeMonte KZ this year allowed them, and when he got back and healthy, allowed them to move Minka Fitzpatrick around a little bit more where teams couldn't avoid him the way that they were able to before, and he ends up finishing obviously tied first in the league in interceptions. And uh, first team on what they finally decide to start doing, which I think is a great idea, the players all pro list for free safety. So in my opinion, best in the game, best at what he does. Um, and also what's, what's interesting about this is if you remember, or if anybody watching or listening to remember when we had Minka on the show back in 2020, it, he didn't care about, you know, being on a top 100 list. He didn't care about his Madden rating. He wanted to be recognized by his peers as one of the great players in the league. Here we go. We now have an all pro list done by the players to tell you just what they think of Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and last thing that I could think of, and it's not even necessarily just this season, but going into the next season. And I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Noah Strackbine, our, our friend for talking about this as well on his all Steelers talk. But I don't think it matters what the cap hit is for Cam Hayward. You just pay it. Oh yeah, it is a pretty bad number the, the next two years, but I, I agree. I, I'm curious to see if they bring him back on that number or if they're, if there is a way to restructure it, maybe even adding void years and like, I mean, I'm sure there is a way to restructure it. They restructure Ben's how many times? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying though, the reason that this cap, it is ballooned this way. The next two years is because of already doing so in the past. Like they keep kicking the can down the road. Eventually you got to pay the piper. That's the next two seasons unless they continue to do so. Yeah. I mean, I just, I heard Noah talking about this on his all Steelers talk and I just wanted to bring it up too. like, I, I don't think that cam Hayward is at the point 
where you give him the Heinz Ward or the Troy Polamalu treatment. I mean, we, we just talked about his best game of the season came in week 18, and he's 33 years old, and he's, he's not really showing signs of slowing down that much. He's a double-digit sack leader in his 30s at the position that he's playing, too. He's playing defensive tackle. He's not right. He's not a pass rusher. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think no matter what moving forward, like and especially for like 2023, I don't care about the 2020 22.2 million, I think it is, cap it, that – if you can restructure it, fine, but I am totally fine with that number. I do not want the Steelers to give him the same treatment that they gave other people in the past. No. I mean, it, it like you mentioned, like the production is still there. I think with some of the other guys, you were starting to see them, you know, decline. I, I don't think we've seen that from Cam yet. Um, so I think next year they're completely fine. The following year, I think, you know, should he fall off in 2023, 2024, then you consider it going into the 2024-2025 season. But for next year, I'm not concerned about it. And he sounds like he w- still wants to come back. So, like, as long right. as that's the case and he's not considering the, I mean, retirement. You, I think you need that leadership, too. The The team is so young, like, especially yeah. for the guys playing. Overall, the team is so young. They need a lot of leadership. And, I mean, he's the guy now. Like, he he is not – I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he's the face of the Steelers, but at least as far as, like, the leadership in the room, like, you don't have Ben, you don't have Pouncey, like – he he's who is left from that era of the Steelers to kind of carry over that type of leadership. Yeah. While, while TJ is the best player and probably most notable, like lead wide, I think cam is still that presence for them within the room and within the organization. So yeah, I'm in hundred percent agreement uh, on that. The last thing I want to ask you, not Steelers related. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Like the matchup. Who's the matchup and who wins? Yeah. Okay. And the matchup I'm going to go with, um, shoot, you know, part of me really wants to pick Tampa Bay just because I feel like if they get past the Cowboys, eight, I think they nine. have a really, I, re- I think they have a really easy path. Yeah. Like imagine uh, they, they get the Cowboys who notoriously are choke artists in the playoffs. And then like, say they go to like Minnesota or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the problem with Tampa Bay though, is they can't run the ball. They, <laughs> <laughs> they they suck at running the ball. So I, I'm actually going to go with uh, Kansas City from the AFC. And I know that might be a cop-out pick, but I mean, the, the, the AFC is, I feel like, the one that's more uh, wide open to who, who could make it. I, I think that you're looking at, you got the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs all on top. And then there's even a couple like dark horses that you could see. I mean, like, who, who's to say that, um, like the Jags couldn't make a, a surprise run or something to the AFC championship. I mean, they were able to make it into the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence has been getting better and better, but I, I, I will pick the chiefs out of, out of the AFC. And I'll say that they're going to play the 49ers. It's going to be a rematch of the super mm. bowl from a four years ago, but I think the 49ers are going to win. Oh, okay. Um, my heart it wants to say Buffalo just obviously like it felt like it was their time. Like they were the, the big pick um, before the season started, they were the popular pick. Everyone's saying like Josh Allen MVP, Bills Super Bowl. This is their time. It's kind of all yeah. leading up to this. Um, and obviously with the, the Hamlin situation stuff, I think a lot of people that don't have a team in the playoffs are probably going to be rooting for Buffalo. Um, I would love for that to be the case. But I think that we've almost gotten to the point now where like Patrick Mahomes is underrated at this point. I mean, the season that he just put up and like no one really like, MVP talk is all about like Jalen Hurts, what they're doing in Philly, Joe Burrow for what he was able to do without Jamar Chase. Obviously, he's still like Josh Allen in the mix. I mean, 
based off numbers and the discrepancy and where no. he is compared to everybody else. Uh, I mean, Mahomes is my Pat- MVP. When Patrick talk Mahomes about is the MVP. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't really think there's much of an argument otherwise. I mean, if you want to look at what hurts and like what the Eagles were able to do as a team and that and all that, but like you just look at like who is the best player in football, it's still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I agree. I and, mean, I, and I and I listen, I love I love I love Josh Allen and I I especially love Joe Burrow, even though he's a Bengal. I love Joe Burrow, but I don't think either of them are anywhere close to Mahomes as a talent. Hmm. Okay, I I do feel like we've gotten to the point where a lot of people are like underrating Patrick Mahomes, and I think that it's time for him to get a second Super Bowl. So they are my pick from the yeah, AFC. That's the thing. I I think those guys are very good quarterbacks, and I think that could they like win more than Patrick Mahomes? Sure, like the teams could win more, they could lead the team more. But I I'm saying just like individual quarterback talent. I cannot not say that Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or anyone else you want to stack up against Mahomes is better. I agree. And I also think the three teams that we were just talking about right there, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, they're the only three with a chance from the AFC. Yeah. So, um, and from the NFC is a lot tougher for me because like even Philly going 14 and three, and this was even when Jalen, Jalen Hurt, I'm going to said warts, right there Jalen Hurts was in there they were showing their warts even when he was playing and then obviously when he goes out with like a completely different team um but I just I don't know who really is the best team and it's hard for me to pick San Fran with Brock Purdy despite as good as he's looked in that system but that's what I'm doing I, I got the same Super Bowl matchup as you but I had Kansas City winning it okay I look at the rest of the NFC though and it's like Philly, obviously the top top dog, fourteen and three. San Fran, Minnesota, do we trust them? Tampa Bay comes in at eight and nine. I mean, maybe they just get hot in the playoffs, going to run, and Brady was saving his best for last year. But and then you look at the wild cards: Dallas, the Giants, and the Seahawks. There's just, I mean, if it's not Philly or San Fran, I'm gonna be shocked. Yeah, me too. I I, I think the I think the San Fran is probably the most complete team in in the NFC, especially when they have a functioning. Uh, offense with their quarterback, but uh, honestly, whether it's Brock Purdy or Jimmy Garoppolo, I would still pick the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl. And I think the addition of Ooh. Christian McCaffrey has has been good too. Um, and I, I and the reason I'm picking San Francisco in the Super Bowl is because I think when I compare the defenses, I like what San Francisco has on the defensive side of the ball more than Kansas City. So we're talking about Purdy here. You just mentioned Jimmy G though. And I didn't think about this four days ago. It was put out. If the 49ers go on a run, he could, Jimmy G could return late in the playoffs. What are they going to be willing to make that switch? I wouldn't. If if you like, if you define late in the playoffs, like in the, the NFC championship or something like that, like if, when I hear if, late in the playoffs, I'm, that's what I'm thinking is NFC. Yeah. championship. Like, if, if Purdy takes you there, I'm not taking him out. You got to ride the hot hand. Yeah, that's gonna be so crazy. If if, if what you're saying happens, right? I mean, you said if you if think Purdy, Purdy wins the Super Bowl, what do you do with Trey Lance? Because <laughs> I don't think this is like a Nick Foles situation where Carson Wentz is still your starter. We haven't seen Trey Lance that much as a starter for the 49ers, but we saw Brock Purdy take them to a Super Bowl and win a championship. What do they do in that situation? Do they trade him and try to get a, a huge haul, or do they still try to keep him around? Because it's really Which hard. What are you talking about? Trade do they tra- do they trade Trey Lance? Okay. Because it, to me, it's really hard to say 
thank you for our Super Bowl, but you're not the starting starting quarterback anymore. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's tough because you have so much invested in Lance being the guy when you trade what they did to get him. Oh, I know. I it's t- I mean, I don't think that we've seen anything like it because like you mentioned, I think with with Wentz had a little bit more of a body of work to turn back to. And obviously that didn't pan out for them either. But it's not like Nick Foles ended up being some great quarterback. But somewhere Trey Lance else. has was, what, two starts? He, yeah. Yeah. And he only had 11 starts in college. I mean, so it's it's it's, t- it's a tough it's decision. All, yeah. I, I mean, I'll be interested to see, but it might not even obviously it might, play out this it might way. Not it's play just... out that way, but in my scenario, where the Chiefs the Chiefs lose to the 49ers in the Super Bowl, that is going to be a really tough decision. Because I mean, then what do they do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Too? Do they trade both of them? They trade Lance and Garoppolo? Like it, it, Brock Purdy has really thrown a wrench into what the 49ers' future plans could be. Well, Jimmy G came back on that rework deal, but isn't he? He's a free agent now, though, right? Oh, is he? I believe so. I mean, okay. the talk is him going to the Jets. I guess. I guess all the college. trade talks have a bit were this past off season. So yeah, I think that rework deal was for this year, and he's a free agent again. So, who um, is your upset or surprise game of Week One in the playoffs? Would it be? Is this really an upset? I mean, it's the lower seed beating the higher seeds. So I don't know if this is like an upset. Upset. I'm taking, or no, it's the higher seed beating the home team would be beating the but I know they're not favored. So is that does that count? As long as the team that's not favored wins, does that count? Or yeah, even though, yeah. all right, Jags over the Chargers. Okay, that's the only one that I that I think happens though. Like I, I'm not giving the Dolphins any shot against Buffalo. The Ravens without Lamar are not. Be, they weren't beating the Bengals. I don't think with Lamar, but that's not happening. And then I look at the NFC. Um, where I'm picking Mine's the 49ers. Actually in the NFC. I'm not picking the 49ers to beat the Seahawks. Um, Vikings and Giants. I you mean the Seahawks I just, to beat the 49ers. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Seahawks <laughs> not being the 49ers. I was you're not picking the 49ers. Uh, <laughs> we have to go to the Super Bowl. 49ers go to the Super Bowl. I'm not picking the Seahawks to upset them in the first round. Um, that would be that's like the Stephen A. Cliff was like, what? He was like, what AFC West team is going to? Oh yeah, score the most points in Week One. Chargers. And he's yeah. like, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. All right, <laughs> who wins? Chargers Raiders. He's like. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see. I love, I love Brian Dabble. I love the Giants. I don't see it, even though I don't trust the Vikings to go on a run. And uh, the Cowboys are favored over the Buccaneers. That's kind of a toss-up for me, though. So uh, I'm picking the Giants to beat the Vikings. Okay. That's, right. that's my glad. upset of week one. I'm glad you did it. Yeah, I I think it's a very realistic matchup, especially watching some of those Viking games in the back half of their schedule where they just looked like they get blown out and looked like they didn't have much going for them, especially offensively at times. I'm I'm picking the Giants to beat them. Danny, Dimes, I wouldn't mind maybe. it. I, I don't I don't mind either of those teams, and I really like you know what the Giants have done there, turning around so quickly. Um, to me, that's that's my coach of the year, by the way, um, is Brian Dabble with the Giants because that's just. I think Doug Peterson deserves some consideration. I just mentioned, even though they didn't make the playoffs, Tomlin deserves a ton, ton of consideration, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but still, I'm, I'm with Brian Dabble. Um, so I would love to see that, even though I don't necessarily mind the Vikings. Right. Right. Um, all right. On a uh, and it, While the Steelers season comes to an end, now 
everybody that is just a casual Penguins fan will be tuning in full now. They got their full attention at this point. Um, so the Penguins, just at the right time, have won a couple hockey games too. Uh, have not been 60-minute complete efforts, but nonetheless, they get a win over the Coyotes in a comeback win against the Canucks where they're down 3 nothing. They come back in this game. I mean, when Gino scores the first one and Sid gets the second one to pull them within 3-2, if you did goals from both of them in the same game, it's a, it's, it's a lock. The Penguins yeah. are not losing that hockey game. Um, I want to ask you, though, the guy that, that tied this game up and I thought was one of the best players on the ice last night has been for most of the season. Jason Zucker, a very polarizing Pittsburgh Penguin with as many injuries that he's had. He hasn't necessarily lived up to the cap hit or what they traded to get him. But it really seems like he is the like pulse. He's the X factor of this hockey team. Whenever he has a night like he did last night, he just the rest of the team feeds off of it. And they put together a not 60 minute effort, obviously, but as close to as we've seen this season. Yeah, no, he he's been really good. Um, and I, I think you're right. Once once he plays better, it just seems like the team plays better, especially the Geno line. I mean, Geno doesn't really create individually like he he once did. He's still a really good hockey player, so don't even get into that and all those offseason talks. <laughs> but I, I do think whenever Geno has a playmaker like Zucker on his line, that that line is really cooking. And I, I think you saw that last night. Um one of the one of the Geno goals was set up by Zucker as well. And I I I, I think that and I think his his playmaking is underrated. And that's not something that we've been able to totally see like we the he did in Minnesota compared to what he's done in Pittsburgh so far. But you have seen flashes of it. And I think that this year he's he's played better overall. I mean he's got he had the one goal and two assists last night. And then I think on the season he's got 26 points now um in 36 games. So it, it hasn't been what the cap number has shown, but I'm I've really liked what I've seen from Jason Zucker, and, and when he's playing well, it, 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 you're right. It does seem like the Penguins do play better when, when, and maybe that's just because they need more than like one line clicking. And so if he's oh, yeah. clicking, they they have they have multiple lines clicking. So I, I agree with you. I, I think he does have a pulse, especially maybe maybe the team in general but especially that second line if he's if he's buzzing and he he's really going on a night i i think the second line really performs well and i think last night was one of the first nights where we've seen that line produce with raquel on it instead of ross because that's what we've been talking yeah, about like that's true we were too. worried about sullivan making that switch for that reason because although you know there was a we went through a stretch where they weren't producing raquel had been better on that top line and rust had been better on that second line when you switch them back it's like okay maybe the top line still finds something with rust up there but Raquel and Gino just were not working together um I think you know last night was kind of the first time that we saw that kind of flip where that Raquel was working on that line and that line was producing granted you know they had some success in the power play too Gino scored one of his goals there um but one I want to go back to Jason Zucker Obviously, I don't think it would be at the number that he's currently on and I would hope not would you like to see Jason Zucker extended all right, how old is this guy? <laughs> Third, I think he's 30. 30 he or 31. 30. He's, he's, he's about to turn 31 in, in uh, what, five days. Um, yeah. So ha- happy early birthday, Jason. Um, Man, it's tough because the team is, how do I put this, old already. Um, it, it would really have to be on like a shorter term deal, not like the de- deals that they were giving out this past <laughs> offseason. 
Like, yeah. like I'm talking like it would have to be like a three year max, but I'd more ideally look at like a two year deal. Can we give him Kasperi Kapanen's contract? The one, like the one he just signed, but oh, I would, I would love that. Two, <laughs> two years, three and a half million. That, that would be a great number. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would be open to bringing Zucker back, especially if he continues to play like he has throughout the season. Also, 56.6 Corsi percentage on the season as well. So that's a really good number, too. Um, but it would have to be definitely a lower cap hit than the 5.5. And like I said, my max would probably be three years, but I'd ideally be looking at it just a two-year contract. Um, yeah. I Just because the and it's not saying like this team is going to fall off the rails because they have a lot of like older players. They're kind of like 30 is kind of like the middle age for hockey players. Um, like you're a middle ager. So I would say like, I don't mind that he's 30, but like I don't want to keep filling up and refilling the team with guys that are older. And, and maybe that's that maybe that's a bad take, but it, the the Penguins are the second oldest team in hockey, I think. Yeah. So I it, it it would just have to depend. I mean, the way he's playing now, I would I would be fine giving him like a 2-year contract at like 3 and a half million dollars. Yeah, like the like the basically the captain contract. Just just give him that contract. Yeah, I would probably be even okay with it being more in salary as long as it does stay lower term. Like, I'm thinking like the opposite, like you're saying, of the contract that they just handed out this year in the offseason, where you're sacrificing a little bit of cap in order to have the yeah. shorter term. I mean, like, give him like a two year, four million per. Yeah, I think that could I'd, work out. And, I'd, I'd and also, I think the biggest thing for me and why I would like to have him back is. I know that he doesn't play in the bottom six right now, but like say that he at, at some point does here in the next couple seasons, like with what you're getting from the bottom six right now, which is absolutely nothing. I think that he is somebody that could like rejuvenate that or give you something like some type of pulse within the bottom six, because you need to have these secondary players. You need to have these complimentary players that are providing for nights where, you know, Sid's line isn't going to score multiple goals or Gino's line is not going to score multiple goals. You got to have secondary players that are contributing. And he's been one of those guys where like you said what 26 points in 36 games what's that put him on pace wise i mean it's got to be 50 like 60 points 26 divided by 36 times 82 is 59.2 points so almost 60 points pretty good pretty good um but you take that i think you take that every day of the week oh yeah for sure yeah i i mean i i think if jason zucker scores if he's a guy that can give you 50 points in a season you you take that all day so anything more than 50, that I think that would be a great season from Jason Zucker. Yep. Um, all right. And then uh, I also wanted to ask about, obviously, we saw Casey DeSmith not play that well. I don't know that it was like all his fault last night, those three goals, but it was 0.7 expected goals, and he gave up three goals at that time. No. I mean, um, the one that, like, so like going through some of the goals, like the first one, the Connor Garland one, I mean, six shot, by the way. That was disgusting. But also, you, you kind of like to no get a screen. save there. There's yeah. no screen. It's 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 just basically one on one. You take on the shot, and it's a good goal. Uh, it's a goal. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. The I second the- one was a little bit of a some cluster in front of the net, if you will. Besser scores a backhander, but I thought the Smith yeah. should have been able to cover it before it even got to that point. Um, not a good rebound to allow right in front of his crease. He tries to jump on it, then he's like hunched over, and Besser's able to backhand it over him. Um, and then, yeah, the third one was like deflected up high or it went off Sid and or Pedersen, but it was like up higher and he should have been able to react and it kind of just goes right by his pad. 
I, I didn't yeah. think any of the three were necessarily really good goals. I thought all three could have been prevented. Um, but, but I mean, yeah. also, even if it wasn't all his fault too, just in a game and kind of the flow of the game, when you give up three goals in succession like that, how, how far apart they were, you kind of mm-hmm. need something to spark the team too. So making the switch to Karkowski, like that wasn't really that surprising. So Tokarski comes in and I wanted to ask you, well, obviously he played really well in this game to be able to get the win. Would you give him another look though? Like, would he, would he be your starting goaltender going into Thursday's game against Winnipeg? Sure. Absolutely. Why? I, to me, the question is why not? Because we know what Casey to Smith is. We haven't really seen Tarkovsky except for this one uh, appearance at the NHL level. So it's like, why not give him another shot? He performed well in that. He only gave up the one goal on, I think it was like 19 shots. Um, so I, why? I it's just like why not? As with Jari being out, you kind of need to to put the gut right guys in net anyway. So if it's going to be Tarkovsky. Then I, I I think that you give him a shot, and I I think that recency bias would say okay, start him on Thursday. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement, and you know we saw Tristan Jari go on IR. Now he can come off at any point. It was retroactive to when the injury occurred on January second. So, um, but I do think that we're going to be without him for some time, and. I think with the Smith, we are learning more and more that less is more with him. Like he is a backup. Obviously, he can be. You can give him some starts in a pinch. But he's not a guy that you're going to want to throw out there like two, three games in a row. I think they're going to need to rely on both of these guys until Tristan Jari is back. So, yeah, I'm giving him a look. I'm letting him start this game on Thursday and seeing what he can do with it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. If he takes the be- if he takes the ball and runs with it, great. But, you know, otherwise, I'm probably going back and forth and letting both guys play until we get Jari back. Yeah. And I mean, in Buffalo last year, he started 28 games. And and the year before that started or started in ten games. He started in sixteen games before in Montreal in the the twenty. Holy cow! I didn't realize this guy was this old. 2014-15 season. That was, that he was played played in the Eastern Conference Final for them when Carey Price got hurt. Yeah. Um. So so like he has in game experience at the NHL level. So it's not like you're starting a guy fresh from the AHL that's never been in the NHL. So. I, I would have no problem with him getting this, getting the nod at least on Thursday, and then potentially moving forward until Jari's back. I just think you play whoever's going to be the best goalie. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we go is we did see the power play strike for the first time in in a very long time, and it comes off an Evgeny Malkin slap shot one timer. Um, to me, and I don't know what what you think about this. That's kind of I think what their power play needs to be about at this point. Like we've been searching for answers. What can this identity be for this power play? I would run it through Gino's one timer right now, and it being about creating traffic in front of the net because nothing else has really worked, and we finally saw that work, and we've seen it work a few times this season. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of what the identity of the power play needs to be at this point. I could see that being the case. I mean. He definitely scores goals from there. It was a rocket of a shot last night. Um, I, I think that the, this power play, and we've, we've said this over the past several years, but like ever since Phil Kessel's been gone, they just have no, yeah. like you're saying, no identity. They don't really know what to do with the puck. They kind of just will pass it around, lose it, and then it just gets iced down. It, they, they, they don't really have that much creativity with the power play and what they're doing. So if you have like a one-trick pony that will actually work, like a Geno one-timer, one then maybe you do drive it through there because otherwise you they just look like they're passing the puck. They don't really get the shot off. And believe me, I hate when people yell shoot at a game, 
But sometimes <laughs> I'm sitting at home. I'm like, okay, guys, you got to shoot the puck in order to like, and, and that's the thing. I feel like the Penguins, and I don't know if this is coming from the coaching staff or the, the players on the ice or what. It's like they're looking for just like the pretty goals and don't realize like if you just shoot at the net, sometimes you'll get a dirty goal and an ugly yeah. one. And that and that's kind of like in Sid's wheelhouse too, because in the power play, he's always in front of the net. So I, I, I feel like you never know like what would happen if you do shoot more. Um, and I, I hate saying that because I hate listening to people yell at them to shoot. But if, if they're not going to look for any type of goal and just looking for a pretty goal, it might as well be the one-timer from Gino. So I, I kind of agree. I think it's a matter of simplifying because they know how talented they are. And sometimes that can be to their own demise because they try to do too much. They try to be too creative. They are too talented and they try to set up the perfect play. And it's yeah. just like, you guys are giving way too much credit to these guys, a man down right now. And to this goaltender right now, just like you said, throw it at the net, trust yourselves, trust your instincts. And that's, you know, simplify things. I think they get ahead of themselves too much. And, uh, you see the results being what they are in that power play drought that they were just on before Gino did score that one uh, on Tuesday night. So, mm-hmm. but now they've won two games in a row. And so they're going to win like 10 more in a row. Cause that's kind of how <laughs> the season's gone. Yeah. So it, for everybody that their Steelers season just ended and you're just now getting into hockey, this is a perfect time for you, at least for a little bit. Um, oh, I said, I kept saying Thursday when in terms of Winnipeg, that's not till Friday. I forgot they have an extra day off um, here. So, uh from now to our next episode they got the jets on friday the hurricanes on saturday back to back oh that's the team you want to see off a back to back that's great um (laughs) the ducks on monday and then yeah you'll probably hear from us before senators so um we'll see good litmus test that game that second game of a back-to-back against the hurricanes (laughs) is going to be very tough and very telling of where this team is at i think also Still without, um, oh, no, this is where I want to end the show because we've talked about the Penguins in, in very good and bad ways in terms of what they've done on the ice this season. Yeah. Them going to Montreal at 4 a.m. after playing the Arizona Coyotes to be there for Chris Letang's dad's funeral is the best indictment of the Pittsburgh Penguins as a team and as an organization. That was Mike Sullivan's call, but it obviously needs to be approved by people much higher than him. He's not the one paying for the flight there, the flight back, and can approve that himself. Um, so there is no better indictment of how close this team is, how class of an organization this is, than as a team, an entire team, going to Montreal to be with Chris Letang for his dad's funeral. Yeah, that was awesome. It, it, yeah, like you're saying, it just speaks to the – to the type of organization the Penguins has been. And if you feel like you, you we've always kind of known this, but this is just another evidence of that. We've had so many guys talk about how this, this is like a top class organization. And this is just another example of why that's the case. And from a player's perspective, I mean, it's, it's such a cliche, but it is like these guys spend more time with their teammates than they do their own families, you know, during yeah. the season. So Chris Tang is a brother to them. And obviously for Gino and Sid, even more so than the other guys, but you know, anybody that's been with them for some time and even just this season, you know, they've obviously developed a very good relationship. So it was awesome to see the team as a whole go and do that. And, um, you know, hopefully 
you know, sooner than later, he's able to rejoin them. But for the time being, take your time, Chris, and we give we wish the best for you and your family. They also should be getting Jeff Petrie back here at some point, too. I don't know which one of those two will be back, but it will be a welcome sight uh, when one and both are both back in the lineup. Uh, but other than that, I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, crazy that the football season's already gone. Excited to watch more hockey, but yeah. time flies when you're having fun. At least the second half of the season was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, football conversations we start to have on here. Um, but sooner, you know, before we know, we're going to be talking draft. So uh, the time always flies. I mean, you mentioned time flies from the time the season starts in September to the end of the season. But I think this offseason will, will will fly by, too, especially once we get to, you know, March, the combine, the draft. Then we're in like rookie camp mini camp i mean it, it goes by quick so yeah and for um, those of you who watch on youtube i will be in a new background next week not gonna say mm. where yet but i i will have a new background behind me i mean this is this is still in utah this is my friend's house quentin um but yeah there will be a different background that will be more permanent for a while so some news right. next week Gotcha. Okay. Well, for anybody uh, watching on YouTube or listening, we can't thank you enough for getting through this entire episode with us. Um, you will see some links in the description wherever you are watching or listening to this. That is to the Isla Keen Fund, um, as well as the uh, Chasing M shirt, and also the the foundation itself, the fundraiser. And again, I am so excited to see what they end up doing with those funds because they they it's gonna be on such a much larger scale of what it was intended to be and that's absolutely awesome so uh but for everybody watching listening can't thank you guys enough for tyler for smitty this has been around the 412 and we'll talk to you guys next week Bye-bye.